I'm Jordan. And I'm Donnie. And this is a podcast about the stuff in our New York City apartment. How we find it. Where we put it. And why we're into it. Welcome to Apartment 26. Hobby Lobby. Have you ever been in one of those? Hobby Lobby? I actually have not. No. Though I think my mom has purchased products there. There are some in Phoenix. Mm, they're big one in Mooresville. Have you been in the Hobby Lobby? I have, multiple times, actually. It's a pretty popular uh, Christmas time stop for a lot of people. Oh, we're more Michael's people, mm. I would say. It's fair. It's yeah. pretty, I mean, it's like basically just Michael's, but a little more expansive, a little more, like, box story. Like, Reminds me of Big Lots, kind of. Maybe only because of the orange sign. Mm, yeah, it's not really Big Lotsy. But this isn't actually Hobby Lobby. Unless, Hobby Lobby, you're looking for a podcast to sponsor, in which case, we might take you up on it. This is an episode about hobbies. Hobby Lobby had that weird thing a while ago about not wanting to provide their employees birth control, though. Ah, uh, that was them. Yeah, mm. bad vibes all Never mind. around. Hobby Lobby. Yeah, I think we have to stand our ground against Hobby Lobby. Yeah. We don't want your sponsorship. <laughs> pro- that turned really quickly. <laughs> we proactively reject <laughs> your offer. Um, but this podcast is being recorded in the bedroom, Woo! which is different because my computer is dying. <laughs> which slowly. is different. Yeah, I mean, usually we're sitting on the ground in the living room. I don't know if it'll sound different, but... I don't know. This is actually maybe a little bit more comfortable. You like it now? This is our new spot? Perhaps. All right, think about it. We'll see. I mean, we got to record probably a few more like this, so... Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we we don't know when this is going to resolve itself, but... Anyway, we are talking about hobbies, though. Um, Because it kind of converged recently. Yeah, I was painting the bedroom over Labor Day weekend because that was going to be like a nice three-day time to do that. Mm -hmm. But I was also kind of racing you because you were coming home from a hike. Mm -hmm. And both of those things require some space. Yes. I won. You did win. Yeah. Should we we rock, paper, scissors? Who's going to talk first? How will they know who won? I mean, I think it's like an honor system. (laughs) Whoever ends up losing and and talking first will be the one who lost, and the other person will be the one who won. Do you think that we give people the impression that we, like, wouldn't cheat at rock, paper, scissors? I don't know. Put up an Instagram poll. Okay, is it one, two, three, shoot, or is it just, like, rock, paper, scissors? Rock, paper, scissors, says shoot. Wow, what? That's such a waste of time. (laughs) Okay, ready. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ha ha! You can talk first. But then they'll think that I cheated. Why? I just made the decision because I won. Okay, fine. That was a long time of the podcast that we spent not talking about that, but okay. Um, so, I don't know. I think we've touched upon it a few times when we talked about small space mm-hmm. because when you live in a small space, everything you do has to do with space. (laughs) But hobbies are interesting, mostly because, like, I just got them. (laughs) 
Um, I would say really over the course of our living in this apartment, I've picked up way more hobbies than I have previously had. Pretty true. It's like a you know adult thing. Adult That's stuff. true. Becoming adultish, you develop hobbies. Yeah. I guess. I mean, that's what happened to me. But hobbies do take up time and space to do, especially, I guess, like, people have all sorts of hobbies. But, you know, (laughs) the ones I like take a lot of time and space. I DIY. I paint stuff, which I guess is kind of, like, in that vein. I have these plants that I have to, like, pot up and water and feed and prune and all of that sort of stuff. Mm. So that takes space, especially in a situation like when I was painting a whole room, I had to move all the furniture out of that room into another room, and there aren't that many rooms for us to do that sort of thing in. Right. So moving the stuff out of the bedroom basically meant the whole rest of the apartment was a disaster zone. Or like if I'm doing a decoupage project in the living room, that means that the whole living room is covered in a tarp. And glue. And decoupage glue. (laughs) And so in those situations, it's really just a factor of time. I personally, when I'm like doing a project, don't like to like stop in the middle and clean everything up. I feel like if I took all the effort to put all this stuff out here, I might as well just do the thing. Mm -hmm. But that means that I have to wrap it up like in a timely manner. I would say that most of my projects don't linger past 24 hours. Yeah, that sounds about right. Definitely not longer than 48 hours. Mm. Yeah. You know, because, yeah, there's there aren't a lot of places. Actually, if you were to get the second bedroom, as discussed in the wishlist episode, I would want to put like a little potting station there because I think that would be really cute and also useful. Um, But I don't think we're ever going to have a room in our living space that's dedicated just to like like there won't be like a scrapbooking room, Mm. you know, be very Victorian of us to just have a plant room. That would be cool. Mm. Like one of those, like not just the greenhouse, but then you read that book about it. Weren't there whole rooms that were just dedicated to potting that like wealthy Victorian people had? There were like, you could have a conservatory off the back of your house that was still attached Maybe to your house. Yeah. That would be cool. Which would be cool. Yeah. For sure. I'm not saying we could never have a conservatory, but probably in the foreseeable future we will not. Mm. yeah i would say my hobby situation similar in many ways it requires well one of them is similar the hiking situation is interesting and it sort of from my angle spurred the inspiration for this episode because you come back from a long distance hike like what i just did or a through hike um things smell and they are dirty. Uh, and, like, not just your clothes and your person, but, like, your pack and your gear. Like, all that has been on the ground. It's been on you when you're smelly. And... Sometimes even when you're just hiking in the park, though, you come back and you're a little dirty and smelly. Yeah, that's true. But that's, like... That's, like, regular, like, workout smelly. I think. Maybe not. Your face Yeah, is no, not. I... Like, but, like, your shoes will be very muddy for... Ah, yes. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, in a way that they wouldn't be if you were just walking around on the street. Right. You know, like... like yeah. There's some impact. There's some impact. <laughs> yes. So that time... In the same way that, like, paint smells, etc. Yeah, so that I'm times, not trying to, like, uh, shit on you. No. no I, I know what you mean. So that times 25 days uh, plus wilderness 
equal smell and things that need to be dealt with in a fairly timely manner because like especially tents and things that have been out in the rain uh can get i mean moldy really and not in the way that food can get moldy but like kind of gross black spots you can get um but we don't have a lot of space to deal with that people like my brother or people who have homes uh (laughs) in a more traditional sense can use their garage to hang gear and the front yard to put up their tent but we touched on this a little bit in the yard episode but we don't have access to that sort of thing so when i come over my hike it's sort of go time like the work and the chores of the hobby begin because i need to get things clean so that i can put them back in the space that i have here for i have taking pictures of it before i have that chest and the little backpack hang and all that stuff um, i actually kind of dread talking about that part of the apartment because it's so hard to get a photo of <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, i'll make you take that photo this week it's fair yeah i guess it doesn't really get a lot of light because it, it and it's really narrow hmm. like in order to crop it i don't know you'll you'll see that makes sense yeah <laughs> Maybe you won't get a photo of it. <laughs> Never know. We can use one of the old ones. Maybe that's not that cute. Mm. Uh, in any event, it's a, I mean, it's really nice. All my stuff fits there. I have a new sleeping bag that lives on top of the trunk right now, trying to find a better spot for it. But mm. that's a different thought. But I can't just put stuff there when it's dirty. So I have to take a bunch of stuff to the laundromat, like my sleeping bag, obviously my clothes, a lot of like the uh, the food sacks are. You just have to take a lot of pics of a lot of your gear to, like, explain it. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. It's all packed away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we got to give the people what they want, though. they got to know what we're talking about. Anyway, all that stuff can be washed, and then it has to be dried. And as with our clothes, it has to be air-dried. So then stuff is just, like, hanging all over the place for a little while. Um, And it sort of just takes over the apartment. Fortunately, since I do so much work from home and since it's the start of the school year and things are pretty slow for me, I had that time built in, and this is part of why I wanted to do the hike in August, too. I had that time built in to have a bunch of stuff hanging in the apartment and have it not interfere with Jordan's life or our life together. And I could just be, like, surrounded by dry sacks and sleeping bags and all sorts of stuff hanging off doors, and it was all right. And then it would dry, and I would put it away. Um, and then the tent, sometimes I'll take it to the park, but we had a few rainy days and then the days when I was actually on site at schools and doing workshops were the sunny days. So finally, over I just this past weekend, I just hung it off the fire escape and propped it up a little bit so it got the airflow it needed and did the thing. Um, I was actually just thinking something similar to this is like when I'm washing paintbrushes. Ah, um, yeah. My mom always washes paintbrushes in the laundry room sink. And we don't have a laundry room sink. We just have a sink. Or a um, mudroom sink. Yes. Hashtag wish list. <laughs> In the front of the house. Because <laughs> um, it just makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we could, I guess we could do it in the bathroom sink, but I feel like that's weirder. I don't know. So, like, if I need to wash and dry brushes, I need to make sure that I've done all the dishes and that you're not going to, like, eat something while I'm painting that's going to end up in the sink. And then I need to wash the brush and then they, like, sit out there for a period of time drying and that's kind of in the way so yeah it's a bit of a juggling act that's true i didn't think about that but that's a good yeah. point um yeah. and sometimes you use like a lot of brushes because you need to wash it but then like 
you need to paint something else, you know, like you need to wash in between coats, but the brush isn't dry yet, so you have to use a different brush. Yeah, sometimes you have a whole, like, army of brushes lined up. Yeah. And they only, like, you never know how long it's going to take them to dry. Like, sometimes it's just mad humid and they're never going to (laughs) dry. True. Sometimes it is mad humid. Yeah. And I try not to spread them around the apartment. Like, I don't want to put them, like, on the coffee table because we eat off the coffee table. So it's a difficult situation. That's the thing. The humidity problem sucks with the air drying, too. Both our laundry and the hiking gear. Because if it's, like, a humid day and you just can't shake it from the apartment, then that's going to be, like, a two-day hanging operation. Really, the nice thing about the winter is that all the drying goes faster because the heat is on. That is true. Things dry very quickly. Yeah, summer is great, but not for air drying. (laughs) True. Um, Moral of the story. The other thing that I do that also happens in the kitchen, boom, segue, is uh, (laughs) I do a lot of fermenting. Yum. weird to say out loud. Uh, But is what I do. It's a little weird. I do uh, kombucha and kefir and sourdough for bread. And eventually, leaven, le- leaven, 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 right? I don't know. What are you trying to do? Leaven? Oh, levna. Yeah, it's... the yogurt. No, no. Uh, you can. So that book that you got me on TJ's recommendation has like even just for regular bread, you do a L E V A N. Oh, might have an I in it. Um, and it's just like flour and water to get it started. It's like a starter, but it's not sourdough. I guess it is technically sourdough, because all sourdough is is flour and water. But you don't let it get as aromatic, I guess. I don't know. I haven't done it yet, so I'm not going to talk out of turn. What I know and what I do is kefir, (laughs) kombucha, and sourdough. Um, And those things don't really take up a lot of space. uh, They require certain things, for example. I would say when you're actively doing them, though. Yeah, I need, like, the whole kitchen. It can be a debacle, for sure. But, yeah, I'll get to that. Oh, okay, we're not there uh, What yet. I was going to say first about the space, the things that I was referencing is that they can't be in direct sunlight, none of these things. Oh, uh, yeah. Which makes it a little tricky. We have our little island. Luckily, there's no direct sunlight in the summer. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, <laughs> if things are, like, if worst case scenario, I left something out and, like, absentmindedly walked away, it wouldn't die. It'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's, like, 11 a.m. in the bedroom when we get that crazy light yeah. for an hour. You would have to, like... Put the fermented milk on the floor, though, for yeah. that to be the case. Yeah, which wouldn't make any sense. So, it's not really a problem, but even still, it shouldn't be out. Yeah. Um, but we have a little cabinet on that island, and that's kind of where it all lives. And I do little amounts at a time. Some people do. Some people have, like, really wild operations. I do not. Once upon a time, I did. When I first started doing Kiever uh, with Mike, who we poked a lot at on the podcast CJ is on with us he and I had a wild operation going and it was out of hand it was it was craziness um we probably should have talked to CJ about fermentation because he also next time when he comes back yeah but now it's just like one jar and the sourdough starter I have a jar in the fridge and uh, that I keep as kind of like a passive reserve and then I have an active jar that I bake with that's chilling down there sometimes I only have the reserve depending on what kind of baking I'm doing. And one time, Joan's mom almost drank out of <laughs> the big, it's like a big measuring cup that looks a little bit like a glass if you were just reaching up into our cabinet. And Joan saved her. 
My mom's priority at all times is to be drinking as much water as possible. And so I think her thought was like, this is the biggest vessel with which I can put water in my body. Yeah, I mean, it's like a Nalgene size. Yeah. Nalgene's have that measuring cup. It looks a lot similar. It is a little, um, I mean, it would have been fine. There's nothing dangerous about sourdough. Yeah, I also clean it when I yeah. throw it away. Um, but there are a lot of things in our kitchen that are related to fermentation. Well, that's pretty true. <laughs> that do get used for other things, like your kefir strainer is also just the colander that we use pretty frequently. Yeah. So there is some overlap between like fermentation and non in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> true. To be clear, it's not like a special strainer. It's just made of plastic, and then the bowl is made of glass. You're not supposed to let kefir touch metal because metal is a sterile surface that said that's like i mean it's not a myth but it's if you were to use metal it'd be okay-ish it just can't sit out on metal because if something or it can't sit in a metal jar or a metal i don't know why you would have a metal jar but if, if you were <laughs> to be the kind of person who has metal jars it wouldn't be able to ferment in it because it wouldn't be able to do its thing in the metal because it's a sterile surface but that said, it's best practice to use plastic stuff when you are actually doing the straining. And that part of this hobby is a bit of an operation. That's when I have to kind of take over the kitchen. Because it's just, there'll be like three jars out, and a strainer, and a bowl. You can get pretty messy. Um, and then like, uh, the milk out. I mean, the process... It sounds like wackier than it is. <laughs> All you're doing is straining out the part that gets like yogurty, and then it leaves the kefir grains. You put the grains back in the jar you ferment in, fill it with milk, and then you separate out the yogurty part. I do it just in two jars that I'll drink as like a snack throughout the week. I'll do it as like a post workout snack, sometimes for breakfast, depending on what our breakfast prep situation is. I don't consume any of the fermented milk personally. No. Um, and then same with kombucha. Kombucha is kind of an operation because you got to boil a bunch of water mm. and the water has to sit out and get back to room temperature. And then you pour that into a really giant mason jar, like a 64-ounce mason jar. And you have to cover that with a towel. So that's a big operation as well. And then baking with the sourdough or just baking, period, is also a pretty big operation. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think probably everyone can picture what baking is like you have the flour the big mixing and but even like after you mix the the flour and the salt and the starter and all that it has to sit somewhere so it can rise so then that takes up space and the rise isn't supposed to sit in direct sunlight basically i take up a lot of cabinet space in the kitchen that's true oven. yeah um so if you were to come to our apartment and see the clear kitchen countertops what's going on underneath could be <laughs> wild <laughs> like a science lab yeah very similar sometimes i like to think of it like that also sometimes actually every day my plants like sit on the coffee table to go under the grow light so it's not just you all the time yeah it's, it's a lot you <laughs> but i i've staked out my little places i think kind of the secret to it really is just like knowing what the other person's spots are and when it has to happen like staying out of the way as much as possible huh. negotiating space in the way that we do in all small space situations you know i would say a part of it too is i mean i guess they are communal spaces for lack of a better word it just sounds weird just the communal spaces make it sound more like we're roommates 
no, <laughs> but I don't know how else to describe it. Like the kitchen countertops, for example. Like even if you know, I have like bread rising in one of the cabinets, and in the island cabinet is keeper. Like, chances are you can get what you need in the cabinets or whatever you're trying to do in the kitchen. You can, you're going to use the countertops, you know. Yeah. Um, like the countertops are the most important piece of real estate in the kitchen. And same with the plants on the coffee table. Like we've gotten done it long enough now the plants don't interrupt our eating or if we want to watch something we can put the laptop down like they take up the front half of the coffee table but they don't take up so much of it that it makes our lifestyle inaccessible in any way i think that's a good part of it too i mean i think that's kind of a bar for all small space living though right it's like if something about your shit is like (laughs) making your living space inaccessible that's when you have to start thinking about like do i need this that's Can I, should i live this way <laughs> yeah no that's a good point especially when it comes to hobbies i guess that's something in the in like i mean shifting the conversation a bit to that small space idea maybe that's something that people like struggle with especially when they think of hobbies because hobbies i mean take up a lot of space yeah this like, is a good segue to storage. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I think we've had experiences, like, especially when we're cleaning out the closet of, like, we're not hoarders, which is great. Uh, Check. But, you know, I buy stuff for a DIY project and I don't use all of it. And my inclination is to keep something that I paid for that I might use again. Um However, we don't have a room for my DIY projects. We don't have a closet that's just for my DIY projects. Like, we don't have a conservatory. We don't have a conservatory. <laughs> yeah. So there are times when I have to go through that stuff and say, like, okay, what's actually being used and what's not? Like, just this past weekend, we went through all of the paint mm-hmm. that we've collected over the four years of living here. That's true. And been like, what are we using and what are we not? <laughs> and we can clear out a bunch of stuff. Um but, you know, I think it's that mindset, the, like, we can't keep everything. We yeah. can't have contingencies for contingencies for contingencies. Like, if I don't see an upholstery project coming for the next 12 months, I can't just, like, have a bunch of upholstery stuff around. Right. Yeah, that's very true. I yeah. think that's how some people think of, especially hobbies. Like, oh, I'll just keep this thing because it might pop up later. That's a nice way to do it if you can, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly annoying, especially with upholstery stuff. That stuff is so hard to get here, and it's expensive, Mm. and it's also massive. Um, And I just really don't upholster that much, so I can't have that stuff around. And, like, I don't need 10 gallons of paint in here. Whereas, (laughs) like, if we had a garage, that wouldn't be as big of a deal. Right. Yeah, it's pretty true. I mean, I do the same. I got the new sleeping bag and donated my old one. I try to pretty consciously donate. I did, I mean, this was a couple of years ago now, but I did that big old gear donation to, uh, I don't remember, they were in Crown Heights, oddly. We had to go back yeah. to your old neighborhood. That was a weird time. To donate. Yeah, that organization's cool, though. Maybe I'll try to find them so you can link them in the show notes. notes. Um, because you donated a bunch of your old camping stuff to an organization that takes kids camping and provides them with like materials yeah. to do that and they're especially cool because there are a bunch of organizations that are just like we're gonna take these city kids in the wilderness and teach them life and like that's i mean like cool and fine but like not all city kids want to go in the wilderness what made this one cool is that it's like kids who want to and are actively interested but couldn't afford it or his families couldn't afford it this is a group who takes those kids who are actually interested 
not just like forced oddly like summer camp <laughs> to go and experience it um and the gear they're looking they're not looking for like send us to your like Jansport backpacks like they knew that they needed good gear so I gave them stuff that was good but that I just updated um to things that were a bit more I mean I, at the time I was shifting to like lighter weight gear so as I was making that transition I gave them some of my heavier stuff but it's all like relatively heavy uh I think yeah, we're all cool. about containment as well like all of my plant stuff goes in one basket mm. like all of my DIY stuff goes in that set of drawers you know um and all of your hiking stuff is in that trunk yeah and that way we know like what the amount of space we have for that hobby is and we can kind of negotiate it as necessary yeah i think that's true it's a good way to to word it i was trying to think of expanding that point but i mean that point is really just like yeah contained if you will (laughs) (laughs) the point about containment is already contained but yeah, I think, I mean, I was joking a little bit about becoming more adult and getting hobbies, but it's a little bit true. I think hobbies are a pretty enriching thing. We talked about this with the uh, adult ed class episode we did, um, when I also talked about fermenting then, because that was kind of like a precursor to this episode, <laughs> I would say. Uh, so it's nice that... You know, we don't have to sacrifice that. When you think about small space living, you might be like, oh, man, I can't bring, I don't know, my jet ski, which is, like, <laughs> probably true. You can't bring your jet ski, but you can find, like, now I'm really dragging this metaphor out. There are a bunch of marinas around, but you can keep it. Or, you know, on a more reasonable level, if your hobby was, like, sewing, <laughs> not jet skiing, but you could be both into I sewing and jet skiing. I wish my hobby jet were skiing. jet skiing, kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's not too late. We could do it. Um... But, you know, you might not be able to have a whole room dedicated to sewing like people in a more suburban setting could afford to or have the space to. But, I mean, sewing kits, if you can pack them up, or they make some that are made to pack up now, you can keep them in your closet or under your bed, or you can find ways to negotiate the space that you have to fit the things that you love. Wow, look at that. Wow. That was just... That was nice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think the kind of minimalism that is interesting to us we debated this as well but uh if we are minimalists and the kind of minimalism that's interesting to us does not mean you can't have stuff Mm. it's just about what stuff do you value Mm -hmm. and so we can't have all stuff but that doesn't mean we can't have like some diy stuff and some hiking stuff and those things we just have to be selective about what gets brought in mm-hmm. you know but having hobbies is cool and i think good for you maybe i think so i i feel like it's uh i don't know there's probably some science out there <laughs> we can find some pop science articles to link to about hobbies i'm sure <laughs> we're not scientists though so we probably shouldn't like go saying stuff <laughs> we are not hobby scientists no <laughs> but i imagine in the way that like any kind of like challenging yourself in any way like not even mean like a challenge quote unquote but like trying to learn a new language or like learning how to cook or any of those things that like keep you interested and engaged and thinking outside of your usual like work routine I think are probably good for you I imagine as not a scientist 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Apartment 26. For more info on the stuff we talk about on this episode, check out the show notes linked below. And follow us on Instagram at apt26podcast. See you next time.